Amen. Turn around and say hello to someone, then be seated. Amen. Good to see a good crowd out today. Praise the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. You may be seated. God has richly blessed us. We had a great host of souls profess Christ at a memorial service. It was wonderful this week. God has done some things this week in some hearts and some lives. How many of you, without, I'm not going to make you stand up and testify. I'm not going to call you out or even name your name. But how many of you would say, you know, I'm not talking about accidentally or incidentally or arbitrarily going through life, but you know that today God did something this past week. You can sit here right now today and say, I know that God intervened in my life and did something in my heart, in my life, or in my family's life, those near to me, did something this week. Raise your hands if you know that for a fact. Look at the hands. Look at the hands go up. How many of you, every hand can go up on this. How many of you know that we serve a God who's alive? He's alive and well. He didn't die during the night. How many of you believe that this is His Word? Amen. Amen. How many of you believe that the Bible is the Word of God? Amen. Then hold your Bible up right now. Hold your Bible up. Hold your Bible up. If you believe it, I want you to say this out loud. I believe the Bible is the Word of God. I believe there are no mistakes in it. And God helping me, I'm going to try to obey it. Whoa, amen, Lord. Come on. Come on, Lord. Work in our midst today. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He has been working, doing some wonderful things. Some souls have been saved. Some folks, uh, their hearts have been touched. God is doing things away from here. Out there, I I would like to say to you, we have folks that are listening from the state of California up in the state of Washington all the way across the north and the Midwest, all across the southwest, across the deep south, down in Florida, all the way up the coast. We've got people around the world, and praise God for each one of them. Each person is important to God. You know that God doesn't make any mistakes. He made you for a divine purpose. He wants us to yield and submit to Him today. Amen? I trust that you will. I trust that you will. Thank you for your faithfulness in giving. I, I, would, be, I would be negligent if I didn't mention this every week, and I need to, and I don't want it to become old hat. Please don't, don't put me on autopilot now, okay? I want you to listen to this. See these offering envelopes? This is such a blessing. They come in in our offering that we receive later offline. Many of you mail them in. People come and drop them off. And we have tithes and offerings. That's regular general giving. And uh, praise the Lord also for faith, promise, and special giving. Right now we have a project going on. This is the ninth major project outside of all of our other giving that we have had these projects, these special projects since the COVID restrictions started way back when. This is the ninth major project right here. I'm holding my hand. Using the red envelope that says love offering, the red writing on it says love offering. I want you to give the very best offering you can today and put project number nine. That is to put a roof on a soul winning church to the south of us down in Jacksonville, North Carolina. And that church, if they don't get a roof, the entire church is going to be destroyed uh, with the damage that will come this winter. And I tell you what, this is week number eight. On week number seven, last Sunday, we were within $600 of $10,000 goal. 
to put a roof on there. Now, they've got three buildings, and this church has been through some stress and some, tr some troubles, and because of your willingness to take on this project, project number nine, to put that roof on that church, that soul-winning church down there in, uh, in North Carolina, the whole state of Arkansas, independent Baptist churches have taken up the challenge, and they're going to try to put a roof on another building that's got holes in it. So praise God for that. That's what your, your, good, your good endeavor is doing and is influencing others. Praise the Lord. We're just $600 and change away from meeting that goal today. I want to meet that goal today. God knows that during Sunday school, I put my offering in. And I trust that you will today. And you out there that are watching, somebody's got some of God's money. You say, well, what if we get more than what we need? I tell you what, it'll go over into project number 10, whatever that is, yet to be determined. So praise the Lord for that. Our days of praise are out here. Also, we've got a new Acts and Facts. These are absolutely free. These are creationist, uh, anti-evolution, biblical uh, publications. You can pick one up on the way out. This one's got a diamond on the cover. You should be interested in that, ladies and gentlemen. All right. So there you go. Pick those up on the, the way out and praise the Lord for all that He is doing. I'm glad for our guests who are here today. I hope that you have been given uh, one of our uh, packets of material and that you fill out the card and place it on the offering plate when it's passed just a little while. But let's give our guests a hand, shall we? God bless you. Glad, glad you came out today. Amen. We have some folks that will be returning guests as well. I'm excited about our Bible Institute. The 16th year is about to launch, and uh, you need to write this down. The 1600 series uh, will begin, will be uh, broadcast September 11th. That's Saturday, September 11th from 3 to 6 p.m. Absolutely free. It's session 1601. All of it is online this year. Absolutely free. Get others. Encourage them. Get them to get signed up. And to do this, there'll be a certificate at the end. There are six sessions over the course of the academic year. We are now looking at uh, studying the lives of Isaac and Jacob and brethren. And uh, these all have spiritual applications, great passages of Scripture, and they teach us and they help us. So praise the Lord for that. Monday evening, tomorrow evening, men, we're having a virtual faithful men's meeting at 7.30 p.m., it's all virtual, and you need to connect with Tyler Candy, and Tyler will see to it that you're online so you can be part of what we're doing around here. Got a great, great text from Bert Zick. I call him Skip. Skip was in Bible college with me from the second year of my Bible college experience uh, there at Maranatha Baptist Bible College in Watertown, Wisconsin. His dad was a preacher, came from a good, solid, fundamental, congregational background. And uh, Bert became a Baptist, and uh, we have served uh, in parallel ministries through all the years. And we now support Bert and Bertie as they go from outdoor venue to outdoor venue, and uh, they win souls to Christ. This past weekend, with your support, because you have given to missions, Skip and family, Bert and Bertie, and those with them, he's training several Timothys, uh, got out uh, at a flea market, 1,000 gospel tracts of ours, 1,000 gospel tracts, and they saw 10 precious souls this weekend pray and receive Jesus Christ as Savior. Come on, amen. 
Amen. That's what your giving and your praying accomplishes. And praise the Lord for them. I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. If you say that and he says, leave your net, what would you do? What would you do? All right, I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles and turn to our scripture that is featured on the front of the bulletin. It's Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. Some of you who are really eagle-eyed, especially those of you that are staring into your screens right now watching online, you'll notice this Bible is in much better shape than my old Bible. Did you notice that? Did you get that? Yeah, she's a detail person. She, she sees a lot. She does all, all of that knitting and crochet, all that stuff. All right, so she knows all the small stuff. I have not gotten rid of. If I get in trouble today, going back to this one's got tape all over it, all right? But uh, you pray for me now that I got this. this Bible. It's almost broken in, almost broken in. You know when you start with a new Bible, the pages kind of stick together? And you say, well, he must not have read his Bible. I got lots of Bibles, folks. Got lots of Bibles, and we read them. All right, we're in Matthew chapter 4, and you will find various accounts of Jesus meeting with folks around bodies of water. He taught from a boat. He sailed across on a boat. He said to the storm, be still. He's the master of the waves and of the wind. And uh, he's around water a lot. Uh, he called fishermen to follow him. In John's Gospel, we're not there today, John's Gospel, chapter 1, he calls two disciples or several disciples uh, in that situation, that venue, and they come to him, and you can consider that that they have followed him in terms of salvation. They have believed on him. But later on, they need to make a break. They need to break, make a break from where they are. And that's what we see in Matthew chapter 4. This is later on in terms of time than John chapter 1. John chapter 1 records when they first meet. And Matthew chapter 4, also Luke chapter 5, this is a little later on in their experience. So Matthew chapter number 4, chapter number 4, and beginning at verse number 18. And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. Now you'll notice on the front of your bulletin, we've got some net fishing fishermen. How many of you have ever fished with a net? Raise your hand. You say, a net who? I don't know a net. No, I'm talking about a net. A net. It's a little different, isn't it? When you cast it out there. Sometimes the nets have weights on them. And uh, you have to learn how to manipulate. Down in the Gulf of Mexico, they fish that way. Preacher friend of mine, now in heaven, used to go out and with his net. He would cast that net, catch a bunch of fish. And wherever it's legal, wherever it can be done, uh, people fish with nets. In third world countries, it's very, very frequent. And this is a method. So you see some, these are more modern fishermen, but that's kind of the way it is done. And uh, it is commercial in this case, in the Bible, they are commercial fishermen, and uh, they're fishing, and he saith unto them, here it is, say the words with me that you find in red, if you've got 
the words of Jesus in red. Let's start with follow. Ready? Begin. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Say it again. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now, yeah, I can't imagine somebody not getting this right. But somebody might be wondering today out there or maybe among our attenders, attendees today that, uh, that Jesus might have been speaking about throwing nets over people. But he wasn't talking about that. When he was talking about fishing for men, he was talking about bringing them to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's it. A fisher of men. There's nothing wrong with being a fisher of fish. We got some fishers of fish out here. We always enjoy, I enjoy eating them. I, I don't know that I've ever really caught a fish large enough to eat. My wife's pretty good. Uh, I'm terrible at it. Uh, Tony back there is an expert. If you need a, a word, he'll give, you, he'll give you some advice. He'll tell you. In fact, if you, if you were to, uh, to sneak behind him when he goes fishing, he'll show you where they are and where they ain't. He knows both. But um, fishing with a net, uh, throwing, casting a net, going to bring up fish, going to bring up other stuff, but you're going to catch fish. And when we go soul winning with the express purpose of desiring to bring people to God through Christ. That's what it means to fish for men, to fish for people, mankind. People need to be brought to Jesus Christ. People will not, on their own, come to Christ unless somebody has planted some kind of a seed, given them some kind of a word, been a testimony, shown them something in Scripture, or if they go through uh, some hard times and they're vulnerable uh, and open and they're just seeking something they don't know who or what. Otherwise, if you're going to bring people to God, it requires some skill, some developed uh, ability to do that. And that's what we're supposed to do. Jesus said, Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men to these who are fishing uh, for fish. Now notice the next verse, verse 20. You've got it on the front of your bulletin. And they straightway, that means immediately, right then, without delay, left their nets and followed Him. They didn't kind of follow Him, go in the same general direction. They followed Him. They went with Him. They followed Him. They followed His lead. They followed His example. And that's what this is all about today, about leaving our nets. We've sung, I'll go where you want me to go. And there are people today that don't know what God's will is for their life. God has a specific will for you and for me. Now, first of all, the Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That is God's general will for mankind. God generally wants all mankind to come to Him and to be saved the Bible way and not go to that horrible place called hell. Preacher, do you believe in that? The Bible says so, that settles it. I do believe it. I believe in a heaven that's sweet and a hell that's hot. And I believe that preachers who have quit preaching it are under the judgment and the condemnation of God. I am here to say that it is God's calling upon my life to preach the whole counsel of God. 
That means to tell you the truth. The doctor comes out and he says to himself, I don't want to hurt these people's feelings. Just take a couple of aspirin and call me in the morning. No. He comes out and he says, this is going to hurt. I'm going to tell you the truth. You've got cancer. You've got this condition. And we're going to have to do surgery and it's going to hurt and there's going to be healing and rehab. And, and you may survive it and you may get better. But I don't know. I'm going to tell you the truth. The preacher who takes the same tact as that honest doctor is going to come under criticism because he's too hard. Because he tells the truth. God loves everybody. And we love everybody in that same sense. We're not picking on anybody. But we're going to tell the truth. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible says, With the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the bad news first, then the good news. The good news is, you don't have to go to hell. You can go to heaven. Your loved ones, family members, don't have to go to hell. They can go to heaven. You can choose, you can decide to receive God's free gift of eternal life. You don't have to work it up. You don't have to keep it, sustain it. God does all of that for you. Praise the Lord. And after you get saved, that being the greatest experience in your life, the next greatest experience is helping someone else come to God through Christ. That is to become a fisher of men, of mankind. Lost men, lost women, lost boys, lost girls need to come to Jesus Christ. Now everybody who is saved ought to be a soul winner. You say, well, I can't speak as well as somebody else. Well then God will give you a number of other ways along with speaking however you can speak so that you can win souls to Christ. Contacts, relationships, your compassion, your love, your interest in people. Listen, people can see through it. You know, I have bought Door to door, I have bought books from a salesman who was an awful salesman. And the reason I bought the book was because I was pulling for him. I was wanting him to do a good job, you know. This was a kid who was working his way through college, through Bible college. And that summer, he was selling copies of King James Bibles and Knave's Topical Bibles, which is like a big concordance and a dictionary thrown into one encyclopedia. And uh, it, was, it was leather bound and it was nice. And in those days, I didn't have $25. I didn't have two nickels to put together sometimes. But I didn't have $20 to spare. But I gave that young man $25 as he stood there and just did a meltdown. Didn't say the right things. Didn't do a very good job of it. But I said, here, let me see that. And I looked through, I said, you know, here, here it says this. Did you notice that? Here it says, so I'm doing the sales job on him. You know, I'm saying, did you know it says that? And then I turned it upside down. I was reading it upside down to him and telling him, do you know it says that? You know it says that? You know, oh, look at that. It's got tabs in it and everything. Oh, it's great. It's fantastic. I still have my leather-bound, tabbed, knaves, topical Bible that I paid too much money for to a terrible salesman. But I bought it anyway. And do you know that if you try to win people to Jesus Christ and your heart is right with God, do you know that God's going to bless you anyway? God's going to help you anyway. I want to win people to Jesus Christ. Well, who wouldn't? I don't want them to go to hell, do you? 
So, oh, there's times I get mad at my neighbor's kids. They run through my flower beds and, and they go ding dong dash. And boy, I, tell you, I just want to. No, you don't want them to go to hell. There's nobody. The worst person that's ever treated you the meanest, the nastiest, you don't want them to go to hell. You want them to be saved and start treating you right. Amen. That's what we should desire. Oh, those politicians, I don't agree with those politicians. No, you don't want them to go to hell. You want them to get saved, get right, and get some good, decent politics. That's what you want. Amen. Amen. Come on now. You understand what I'm saying? This is an important thing. If your heart's right with God, you don't want anybody to go to hell. You want people to be saved. But here, Jesus asks them to follow Him. He invites them to follow Him. These are people, have, they've already, in John chapter 1, they believed on Him. Now they're leaving their nets. They are forsaking their nets. We've already read at the beginning of the service today that if you forsake even father and mother and family and houses and lands, you'll, you'll be rewarded. Praise God. He keeps track. He's got good books. He keeps track of all of what we do and what we leave. And He exhorts them to leave their nets. He's saying, you need to leave what you're doing. My father was the district manager for a tire company in Minneapolis, the main one. I don't know if it was Firestone or Goodyear or whatever it was, but it was the main one in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And it was in the middle of World War II when there was a shortage of men. He had gone down twice to try to enlist. He got, he's one of that little guy who tried to get in line. He tried to enlist twice. But when he was a boy, eight years of age, a car ran over him, and his dad, who was a pastor, didn't have money for the hospital, so he didn't set that broken bone. So when he, when he went in to get his physical, they threw him out because he was all busted up inside. Even though he had become a semi-professional shortstop, semi-pro softball player, he was semi-pro, he got paid to play, but they wouldn't take him in uh, the military in World War II. So he went to be a young, married, district manager selling tires in World War II, and he got very well off. He was making $10,000 a year in World War II. Not too many people were making $10,000 a year. That would be hundreds of thousands of dollars now in today's money. And... God got a hold of his heart because years before, back in the early 1930s, his older brother Dwight had preached himself to death all across this continent. He had put up tents during the Billy Sunday era. Actually, it was during the sunset years of Billy Sunday. At the end of Billy Sunday's ministry, uh, my uncle Dwight, whom I've never met, preached himself to death at 31 years of age. And as his casket was brought before the church, there in southern Minnesota. And my grandfather stood up to preach. Fred Winnegar, Pastor Fred Winnegar, preached that message. And he exhorted the people. My dad, who was a young man, just in his middle years, middle school years, got up and walked over and put his hand on the casket and said, Dwight, I'll take your place. Things had gone on. He'd been to Bible college. The war had broken out with his young family. He was earning money. And he said, I got to earn money. The war is on. They won't take me. They won't take me overseas. So the war is on. I got to make money. He started making money. Hand over fist. Dollars and dollars and dollars. He was making lots of money. He was very well off. And then one night he remembered 
Dwight, I'll take your place. And God spoke to his heart. And just like that, my father stood up, went to his boss, and he said, I've got a higher calling. And his boss said, well, it doesn't matter what they're paying you. We'll pay you. We'll pay you more. We'll pay you more. He says, you can't pay me for this. I've got a higher calling. And he told him that God had called him. And he was answering that call. And my dad left his nets. He forsook his nets. And he went from making $10,000 a year to less than $1,000 a year. And he went to serve the Lord. And he took a little mission church. I had been, I had been born and... He took a little mission church, and by the grace of God, in 10 years' time, God built that church to over 500 in attendance. My dad was faithful. He left his net. My brother, when he was coming up, was a super athlete. He got some of my dad's genetic prowess when it comes to handling a ball. My brother's left-handed and, and somewhat ambidextrous, and he bats on both sides of the plate. And he was playing in high school, and they started scouting him. And he went to San Jose State, and they were scouting him. He was a pitcher and a first baseman and an outfielder, and he was batting over 500, which, you know, I know that there are people that bat 500 and 600 in, in uh, university and college level. But my brother was very good. He had five, five professional teams looking at him, including the Pittsburgh Pirates and others. And they were, they were looking at him. And he had the chance to go into their farm system and play ball. And then he went to a meeting in Southern California. And he sat in a, in a tabernacle by a lake with a thousand other kids. And as he sat there, a young man loosened his tie. There was no air conditioning in that place. And that young preacher got up and he preached. He preached the paint off the walls. My brother went down the aisle and he said, I'll give myself to God. And he left his nets. And through the years, he maintained his athleticism, but he never played for money. He went to serve God. And now, nearly 80 years of age, on dialysis every day. And then, I think less frequently, but every day, on dialysis. Wife, putting him through this dialysis process this morning... He got up with those ports sticking out of his body, wore a loose shirt, got in the car. They drove 20 miles so he could preach in a little country church. He left his nets. He left his nets to serve God. Serve God. Back in 1973, we were facing a choice. We were moving out of Alabama, and I had five offers to go different places. Four of them were in ministry. One of them was a secular offer. In the school where we had been, we had started a music ministry, and I had found a way to help get this school music department out of debt and into the black. And the way was by, by working with the Chicago Music Corporation uh, with their instruments and, and having them drop ship to other schools, and then we would get a commission off of each of that, not me personally, but the, but the school. And the school was able to remain in the black because of that. And they heard about this, this 
this guy teaching music in the Christian school and fella called up and we went out to breakfast and you'll remember and I, I thought as I saw him he had his initials on his, on his sleeve. He had his initials on his pocket. He had a $500 suit he was wearing. And he sat across the table and he said, I'll give you the panhandle of Florida, all of Alabama, and, and, uh, and it'll be yours, plus I'll give you X amount of thousand a year, plus commission. And I thought a second and I said, I said, thank you for your offer. What an honor for you to have offered that to me. But I've got a higher calling. And though I didn't work for him, I left those nets behind. There is nothing wrong with fishing for a pastime. There is nothing wrong with being a commercial fisherman. But when God calls, He says you need to leave your nets. Now, it's not going to make people happy, what I'm going to say right now. When D.L. Moody was serving God and hundreds and thousands of people were being saved in, in his ministry back in the 1800s, he didn't have a regular music man to be his assistant. And there was a salesman, a man who was successful in business by the name of Ira Sankey. You know him because his music is in our hymn book. Ira Sankey was a businessman. He went to hear D.L. Moody preach. He was greatly moved. And, uh, and D.L. Moody and he became acquainted and he heard his music. And, uh, and Moody just came straight out and said, uh, Mr. Sankey, you're going to have to leave your business. He said, why would I do that? He says, you're going to come to work for the Lord. You're going to have to leave your business and come to work for the Lord. And Sankey wrestled with that and finally gave up, and God took care of all of the needs of Ira Sankey. Billy Sunday, Billy Sunday was the fastest runner in baseball in the late 1800s. He played for the Chicago team, uh, and, uh, and uh, he, one day he heard the singing come out of the out of the mission, and he went in the mission, got gloriously saved. He came out to all of his friends that were there, and he said, boys, I'm leaving baseball, and he left baseball, and he went to work for little or nothing for the YMCA, which was a Christian organization in those days. And from there, because of the work that he did for God, Wilbur Chapman, the evangelist, came by and said, come and work with me. And so he got the former baseball player, Billy Sunday, to go with him, and Wilbur Chapman went all over the country. But then Wilbur Chapman got a call to be a pastor of a big church in Philadelphia. And he said, I'm going. And he said, Billy, if you want my meetings, i got five meetings that I haven't filled, and, and here's a half dozen messages. And Billy Sunday took those half dozen messages, and the rest is history. He began preaching all around the country, and the sawdust trail was born. They would put up tabernacles. They put sawdust on the floor, and people would come down the aisle. They say when his invitations were offered, for as long as they lasted, there would be an average of 85 people a minute that would come down that aisle to receive Jesus Christ as Savior. Billy Sunday would shake hands with every one of them as they would come. His hand would swell up to twice the size that it normally was. He left his nets. Now, he never really 
really got rid of all of the baseball antics because when he'd be preaching, he'd have on the platform, on his podium, he would have a notebook and written in large one or two inch letters, he'd have kind of his, his notes, you know, just a, a sketch of what he was going to preach. And as he'd go by, he'd look and he'd turn the page and keep going. And he'd go over here, he'd be fighting the devil, sliding into second base or hitting a home run. He'd be all over the platform. And people would wake up and they'd say, we haven't got that in our mm-hmm church. We haven't got in our mm-hmm church. They would see Billy Sunday was excited about Jesus and people came to God through Jesus Christ. But it never would have happened if Billy Sunday hadn't left his nets. It never would have happened if Ira Sankey hadn't left his nets. It never would have happened if I hadn't left my nets. It never would have happened if my brother didn't leave his nets. It never would have happened if my dad didn't leave his nets. This does not mean that it is a sin for you to work at a secular job. You need to be where God places you. You need to do what God tells you to do. But we don't tell God what His will is. We listen to Him and allow Him to lead our way. We don't go to Him with our hands already full and say, bless my work. We go to Him with empty hands and we say, Lord, fill my hands with what you'd have me to be, with what you'd have me to do. And then we say yes to Him when the Spirit of God touches our heart. John R. Rice went up there to that same mission where Billy Sunday got saved. And he was there on summer break. He was a college teacher. He had already been through his own training And he was a teacher in college and a coach of football at that Whalen College in in Texas. And and he was there and and bums started coming down the aisle. I'm talking about folks that were kind of down on their uh, their fortune and and they were kneeling down and wanting to get saved. And and the director said, come on, come on, son, come on down here. And John Rice knelt down next to that bum, led him to Christ. And he got up off of his knees and he said, I can do this the rest of my life. I don't know how God speaks to each individual, but I know how He spoke to me. And I know how He's speaking through me to people over the course of the last five decades. People who have come forward and said, I think God's calling me. I believe God's calling me. I think I have the call on my life. And I tell them the same thing. The call of God comes through the Word of God. The call of God is confirmed by the Spirit of God. And there will be a growing realization that you can never get away from the call of God. You may run like Jonah, but you'll be miserable. You may run from the call of God and not fulfill the call of God, but you'll never be as happy. You'll never be as satisfied. You'll never be fulfilled away from the call of God. Now there are some people today that are listening and they know that that means they need to be in church and they need to be in church every time the doors of the church are open. And there are people listening to me and they know they need to be teaching or working a bus route or serving God or going soul winning. And I don't know how God is speaking to you, but I know how God is speaking to me. And I know we can only go forward as fast as God works through people to allow us to go forward. John R. Rice said this, I wonder have you left everything behind to serve Christ? If you have not, then I want to lay on your heart this important message. You cannot serve Christ without leaving some things behind, without quitting something else. You cannot please Christ without displeasing someone else. There are people here today who have placed up on, up on a pedestal something, some event, some activity, some membership, something they're a part of. 
They put it above their service for God. And as a result, they have to go to that thing. They're scheduled in that place. They have to do that thing. Instead of winning souls, instead of giving their life to God, they're doing this thing. They're going here. They're going there. You say, oh, but it's not sinful. It is if it takes the place of God's perfect will. Every legitimate, every otherwise good thing is sin if it takes the place of God's will. And only you know what God's will is in your life. Only I know what God's will is in my life. And I dare not replace God's perfect will with some good thing that I came up with so I could get out of whatever I see as a difficulty in doing God's perfect will. This is not a popular message. It would be much easier for me to talk about how God makes everybody feel good all the time, but it doesn't work that way. You cannot be friends with the world system that dictates that you've got to have so much of this and do so much of this and go here and go there and belong to this. You cannot be friends with the world and not be an enemy of the cause of Jesus Christ. Now that's hard preaching. That's the kind of preaching that will empty out a church. But it's also the kind of preaching that will help people come face to face with reality. Many people, and I've known these, God begins to speak to them like He's speaking today. And He says, It's not wrong to have a livelihood, but you need to put me first. It's not wrong to have a family, but you need to put me first. It's not wrong to have finances, but you need to put me first. It's all right to have friends, but you need to put me first. It's all right to have the familiar or the comfortable, but you need to put me first. And if that means no familiar and no comfortable and none of the things that I just mentioned, you have to put me first. Jesus Christ needs to be put first in our life. That's it. If your decision is based on preserving those things, that make you feel comfortable, that make you feel familiar. Your decision has been based on a faulty premise. Instead of following Jesus, you followed your own way. And you have forged, look at me, you have forged your own shackles. You are shackled. If you have forged your own shackles, you are shackled and you can't get out until you declare that that's no longer going to be your priority, that Jesus first is going to be your priority. Some have built very high walls. They built it out of their desire. Maybe it's prosperity. Maybe it's familiarity. Maybe it's family. And none of those things in and of themselves are wrong, but they haven't put Jesus first, and so they built that wall. And you have built your own prison. And you can't get out until you say, I'm going to put Jesus Christ first. The service of God Himself requires that we let go and we let God. Sometimes we stay, sometimes we leave. It depends on the leadership of God. That's it. And there's a time for everything. Remember Solomon said that. And there is a time for staying and there is a time for leaving. But there's a time right now for every honest Christian to examine his or her heart and say, have I really left my nets? I'm not saying that you have to be in full-time vocational service for God, but you and I must allow Jesus to be first in our life. 
whatever that means for you. He must be first. There can be nothing else occupying the throne of our heart. Jesus must sit on the throne of our heart. Now, I'm not talking about staying saved and going to heaven. You are saved if you've received Christ. You're saved by grace through faith. I'm talking about fulfillment. I'm talking about the joy of the Lord. I'm talking about the good things spiritually that God wants to do in and through us. Would you do this today? Would you bow your head with me and close your eyes? Would you be honest with me now? Heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking. And how many today would say, Preacher, something in that message spoke to my heart. Slip your hand up high. Something spoke to my heart. Amen. Amen. God bless you. How many of you today would say, Preacher, I'm going to allow the Lord to lead in my life. Whatever decisions and choices I make, I'm going to allow the Lord to lead in my life. Put your hand up high. Let me see it. Don't be ashamed. I'm going to allow the Lord to lead in my life. Now here's what that means. Let me give it to you simply. That means you're going to be willing to pray without putting conditions on God. Don't put limitations on God. That means wherever, whatever, whenever, however, God leads through the Word by His Spirit. You're going to respond. You're going to say yes. Amen. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you've never received Him or you're not sure that you've received Him as your own personal Savior, the Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'd like you right now with heads bowed and eyes closed to pray from your heart to God something like this and mean it. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. Right now I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. Said when